Uh, good morning. Thank you for tuning in to WNZN Radio. We're from Lorain, Ohio. And another week. It's hard to believe it. It's been a week, David, since yeah. we were uh, interviewing uh, Mike, Mark Merlihan and the ministry he has out there. And they have another special guest today. So uh, thank you again for tuning in. If you have any problem hearing, any static, just live stream us. You can go to your, your iPhone, your iPad, your computer, and it's www.wnzn.org. That's wnzn.org. And then it should be pretty clear when you uh, hear that. So, David, boy, I don't know how many people we've had on in the past two months from South boy. Africa, from Thailand. Probably from, half a dozen. Gee, yeah. all over the place. And that's the same today. Right. Uh, we got uh, Pastor David Hill, uh, chaplain for True Freedom Ministries. And although he does a lot of work in this region of Northeast Ohio in prisons and jails, he's actually just come back from Africa and he's going to share with us about all of his ministries, and maybe we'll focus in on that in particular. Sure. But uh, so, David, Pastor David Hill, welcome to thank the radio you. show. Yeah, thank you. Great thank to you. have you here. Good to I'm have honored. You. Yeah. <laughs> Good to have you. Yes, sir. And uh, I think I don't know. I think I've known David now ten years, maybe or so. I forget, David. <laughs> Go way I back. think it's been a little over three, maybe four yeah. years. Is it the four or five? Yeah. Years? Okay, right. Yeah. I, I lose track of time. But anyhow, we're very happy you can be here. Thank I think you. you've just been back from Africa about a week now, and we wanted you to share about that outreach over there. But for the sake of our listeners, I know a lot of people in this region know you, maybe you can tell us a little about your story and um, how you came to the Lord, how you accepted Jesus, how you uh, then got a heart, particularly for prisons. Like I said, you're a chaplain for True Freedom Ministries and how you get into prisons and you have really favor now and access into these different places. Mm -hmm. So maybe you could share, so on that note, uh, David, uh, just share, and then if we have a question or something, we'll sure. just kind of give sure. you a high sign, and then we'll uh, talk to you on that one. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, John, I grew up in a Christian home as a young man. My father worked for a Christian company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Worked for a little louder. Mm-hmm. My father worked for a Christian company. Uh-huh. And uh, my mom, even though she was into numerology, astrology, colors, auras, and uh, witchcraft. She would also pray Hour of Power with Robert Schuller every evening. So there was a lot of confusion because my father had witnessed something as a young child that he never really forgave. And um, it, um, it really had a hold on him. So I saw him go from... A praying man that worked for a Christian company to somebody who was um, in the darkness and um, doing things that uh, uh, obviously wasn't something that you would witness. Now, did you have brothers and sisters, David? I have one brother, but uh, interesting enough, um, my family had over a hundred foster children. Over the period of time. Over a period of time. Interesting. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah. wow. And that's yeah. in Los Angeles? That was in Covina, California. Okay. Yeah, wow. West Covina, California. Yeah, they um, they took kids in, and uh, uh, they were on, uh, I think, L.A. Times. They were featured. Is that right? Yeah, and they were also featured on Channel 5 KTLA as Foster Parents of the Year a couple of times. Wow. But, you know, that doesn't stop the enemy from attacking. Right. If he can't... Yeah attack you, he'll distract you. So without going into too much detail, um, as a young child, uh, 
uh, I had a lot of unforgiveness, a lot of self-hatred, and a lot of confusion. Mm -hmm. And um, I, um, I think in reality, um, <coughs> I heard from the Holy Spirit there was a time when my mom walked in the room and I was about seven years old and, um, you know, I was being physically abused and, and uh, you know, and, and um, I looked at her, I said, life is a game, winners and losers, preachers and boozers, if you ask me, it's all the same. And no one gives you nothing, you must try and try again, even though it's often to the bitter end. Is there a moral to my story, you mean, after all this? You don't feel the glory. Is there really a silver lining around the cloud? Or do we go through life with our heads bowed? The dreams we have, they stay inside. And the people with the power, they keep our hands tied. And now I'm 60 years old. And I still remember that to this day. And um, You said that at seven years old? Yes, sir. Seven years old. And my mom just started to cry. And I felt a sifting and a shifting and an atmospheric change in, in the actual room that I was in it. It, it got really kind of thick, and um, <clears throat> I believe that was the voice of uh, the Holy Spirit letting me know that my life was not going to be typical, normal, that there was going to be full of challenges and darkness and brokenness and hopelessness. And um, so I took that, uh, that kind of uh, anger that I had and unforgiveness that I had and uh, I stayed in many different places at age 11. Another dramatic thing that happened in my life was I was sexually molested besides drug, be, behind drugs and alcohol by my father's fiance and um, in his bed. And uh, that shame, um, I can't even explain it, but it did something to me. That was at age 11. So at age 13, I started in... Um, in boxing. Well, boxing. Yeah, I started in boxing and uh, martial arts and just typical karate. And um, I became very proficient in that. That was my sanctuary. That was my, that was my uh, worship. That's what I ate. That's what I breathed. That's what I, I uh, took in, you know, and a lot of pride, a lot of ego, a lot of self-entitlement. And, uh, I was really a lost child, and when I looked in the mirror, I hated the person looking back at me. And that's very dangerous, you know, to hold on to that right, forgiveness. Right. So I went from that to being one of the top martial artists in, um, at that time, and uh, they took that talent and they parlayed that into movies. So. It had a string of about 30, 35 movies. How old were you when you got into movies? I was probably about, I'd say 23, 24, something like that. And, um, you know, I remember at age, I think I was probably about 30 years old. Um, I made up an excuse not to go and see my mom because I knew that she was uh, you know, staying in a single apartment and she wouldn't let anybody in if they were sick. She was working for a suicide prevention mm. program, um, you know, talking to people that were contemplating suicide, mm -hmm. talking them out of it. But oddly enough, because she was doing prescription drugs and, and drinking, um, you know, the enemy used that. And uh, I believe that she believed his lies and she ended up uh, either overdosing mm. or accidental suicide or a suicide was never, 
really, uh, you know, they never really found out what actually happened. I just know it was a closed casket. Mm. And at that time, I was doing a movie in uh, Malibu called Fist of Iron, playing opposite of Michael Worth. And uh, I just, um, something happened. I died inside. And I couldn't live with the fact that I never got a chance to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. And um, stayed doing movies. Then I went into uh, cage fighting. Mm -hmm. um, they changed my name from David Allen Hill to Nico the Dragon. And uh, that was before the UFC. And a lot of the fights weren't even legal, but I ended up uh, fighting all over Los Angeles, all over the United States, all over, well, I fought Russia and Brazil. And Did you ever get hurt bad doing that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you, what kind of injuries? Broken fingers, you know, um, um, sore throat when you get choked, you know, and you fight against the choke, arms, you know, all kinds of uh, pulled muscles, yeah. and strained muscles, and uh, two bad knees, and, and uh, you know, split wide open several times. Um, yeah, you know, broken toes, broken yeah. ankles, just typical things. So you got into cage fighting. Mm -hmm. So you're really kind of entering a violent world. You're going from make believe, not yeah, like make believe in yeah. movies. Now you're in a violent world. So your life is unfolding, and you really are hurting because of your mother's death. And so then, how did, how does that move forward? Well, to you? something about the adrenaline of cage fighting and and the entourage and the team and the crowd and everything. You know, it it's it's uh, it's amazing. You know, you can portray that in movies. You yeah. know, like when I did. Bloodsport 2 and, and Fist of Iron, Raw Target, and a bunch of different movies I did, but it's nothing like in reality. And um, there's, a, there's some kind of a, a, a real spirit that comes along with that, and you gravitate to that. And then, you know, when that's gone, for whatever reason, um, you look for that. You look for that excitement. You look for that adrenaline. Yeah. And I found that in cocaine. Okay. Mm -hmm. From that, that whole world. Yes. Cocaine. Uh, and the first time I did crystal meth with a, uh, with a woman, uh, it took all my pain away. Okay. And, that, and everything looked better than what it was. And um, I realized that that's when uh, the enemy... And my own free will choices, and God um, allowed it to happen. Yeah. I think ultimately to get my attention. I had a pastor tell me uh, just a little while ago when we had the outreach, our second outreach of through the storm to be reborn. First one was at Family Ministry Center. Second one was at City Mission. The unwanted, unloved, unneeded, undervalued, under the influence, unappreciated unchurched and unsaved, right. getting them packed up and ready to go to heaven and putting together a ministry team that will go in and water those seeds so they return 30, 60, 100 fold, so they're not just props and photo ops, you know what I mean? Um, the maturity and the maturation of the ministry, but she came up to me and said, you know, when you were given your testimony um, from darkness to light, um, the Lord was telling me uh, he preserved you behind enemy lines. For such a time as Whoa, this. Interesting. And in this season. Wow. So yeah, so I I um I just ran from anything that was good, anything that was the truth, anything that was the light. Did you hear any of the gospel in that world? You know, you're in the 
movies, and now you're in the martial arts, and now you're in the cult. Did, do you remember anybody ever kind of sharing with you the gospel? Or did you know any Christians at that time at all? Absolutely not. No. No. But for whatever reason, um, you know, I would go and get high at different places because I ended up homeless, ended up living in uh, abandoned buildings and buildings that were foreclosed upon, you know, just hustling. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I wouldn't get high in a church or a church parking lot, and a lot of people did. Hmm. Just something I just, I just couldn't do it. And and I think of my most broken um, times in my life, I would always reach out and I would always pray, you know. He, and there was a little church. It's called the Little Brown Church. It's off Ventura Boulevard in hmm. um, uh, Studio City, and uh, it's open twenty four hours, seven days a week. And I, no matter how evil of an abomination yeah. I became, I would always find myself in that little church. Really? Asking wow. for forgiveness. Interesting. Yeah, it, it, but, you know, I, I continue to do um, things that I'm, I'm so um, ashamed of. Um, but, um, you know, I, I ended up in a room all by myself uh, ingesting up to eight ball crystal meth every other day and crack cocaine and drinking alcohol until I blacked out. But one thing that was really interesting, um, I remember thinking to myself, a measure of a good man is how many will show up at his funeral. And I thought there would be nobody at my funeral. Whoa. They would cremate, cre uh, cremate me, and that would be the end of the story. Interesting. And, and now I look back after going all over the country and all over the world and yeah. proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, I think it would be a lot of people at the funeral. Nice, you know, that's really yeah. Good. It just it's just something that just kind of dawned on me. I but, always figure if my wife offers a really good meal after the service. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Um, it's it's just you know. And she will. <laughs> you are who you serve, right? Yeah. And and uh, the Bible says you can't serve two masters. You end up loving one and hating the other. But I I served the enemy, but I didn't hate God. And in my darkest times, my most addicted times, um, I would just want to die. I just didn't want to wake up the next day, and I overdosed several times and slipped my wrist, and you know. Um, but it was it was amazing to me that um, I would be in a room all by myself, my heart beating out of my chest, and uh, sweating profusely, and burn half of my esophagus. And I don't have my gallbladder um, from all the poisons I ingested. But God was preserving me yeah. in those times. And um, I just remember there was a time where I couldn't get drunk, even though I was still drinking. And I couldn't get high, even though I was still doing drugs. But the voices, the images, the shadows, the demons, the darkness, the brokenness, the hopelessness, everything else was so prevalent at yeah. that time. At that time, I was 135 pounds, 6'3", you know, could, couldn't couldn't speak, hands shook, 24/7 um, watching pornography and 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 cutting myself and and you know only going out at night with a hoodie, you know, um, the one that you would run away from, the one that smelt like two weeks and yeah, in the sun and trash, you know, and and, and uh, but but God saw something in me. But I didn't see him myself. Uh huh. And, uh, when it came to the point of no return, yeah, he let me know, walk out the door, 
or die on the floor. But that's your choice. And how old were you then? Uh, I, 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 you know, it's so sad. I would say between my um, early 30s to 49 years old, I was under the influence. That of was what that alcohol. time in your life. 49 still. Yeah. So, so I lost all those years that are so formative, you know, and so 49? so important. So, when did you come to the Lord? Uh, well, I did it in a room when I finally just said, you know what? Uh, if you'll take away all this darkness and self-hatred and and if, if you'll um, give me peace and if you give me a roof over my head and food in my stomach, um, I'll tell people about you. Wow. And that That's how it started. And you were about 49 at the time. Yeah, I was 49. Yeah, was 49 wow. At the wow. Time. So within one year from that time when he called me from that, that point of uh, suicidal thoughts and uh, brokenness, uh, he revealed to me that who I was running from my whole life was myself. And the worst enemy is not the one that's standing next to you, but it's the one that you allow yeah. to live inside of you. So when he allowed me to see that, you know, I still was, you know, working with uh, people that were doing drugs and, and living with people that were doing drugs, but I just wasn't doing it. Yeah, I had right. an atheist tell me, I don't know what's different about you, but if you want that room where you're at, the one rule is you cannot do drugs in this oh, house. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, so God was preserving me, and uh, there was a couple of times where I was going to slip and um, after my promise. And the simple words of remember your promise were just written on my heart, just like 250,000 words he wrote on my heart. That's a book today. It's about to be a movie called Called from the Abyss. And That's the name of your book if the people read the listeners? Called from the Abyss on Amazon and Kindle. Okay, just maybe somebody tuned in late here, but uh, we're here at WNZN Radio and we're interviewing uh, Pastor David Hill, an extremely interesting testimony in present day ministry. And we're going to give you the contact information as we go throughout and then also at the end of the program. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you, David, they sure. can do that. And we're going to tell you about his book again. And right now we're picking it up where you're 49 years old. Right. You were very self-destructive in so many different ways. Right. Mm -hmm. right. And you have an encounter with the Lord. Yes. And you're getting really redirected from death to life. So let's pick up your story right yeah, there. Yeah, I'm getting redirected. And a couple of times that uh, there was a pipe full of crystal meth or a line um, or a bottle. Uh, and I would be thinking about, seriously, because my financial situation hadn't changed. My life hadn't changed. I had just made a promise. But when I went to go reach for it, you know, in a room all by myself, some dark room where I was still staying, where the place was being foreclosed upon, and people were selling drugs out of it, there was just a voice that remember your promise. And, and I just would not partake of it. And um, it was just a gradual movement from that. I ended up staying with a friend of the families who were Christians and believed in God and met a pastor. And the pastor said, hey, would you share your testimony? Uh, on Christmas Day, Whoa. just what present has God given to you? Yeah, yeah. And um, I shared my testimony, and um, from that, uh, I went to go learn about God, you know, at a seminary, and um, it was just something to where I saw co-porters and people that you know were youth pastors and evangelists, and you know, I went there on a scholarship. The church paid for it. Um, 
Later they told me why. I said, because when I shook the hand of the pastor, the pastor heard a voice that said, uh, do not let go of him. He'll reach people that in a million years you'll never reach. Is that right? Yeah, and I he just shared that with me. If you now you were in Los Angeles at the time. Right, okay. right, right. And, um, um, you know, I remember telling God this is all overwhelming for me. You know, at that time I was 50 years old. And I just said, um, or 51. And I just said, you know what, Lord? I'll tell people about you. That's all I can do. Wow. I really can't do anything else. And uh, he's been true to his word, you know, because he meets us where we're at. Yeah. He takes us where we need to be. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. His word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So um, I, it's amazing. Um, he had me actually go back to all the different places in Los Angeles and Southern California different parts of the United States where I was serving the enemy yeah, and actually reclaimed the territory by oh. sharing my testimony and his story and then theology, once I knew theology, um, that I could apply, that they could relate to. And uh, for whatever reason, um, once I had proven myself to be trustworthy and got to trust myself mm -hmm. in all the different places where... You know, I was serving a different master. Then he pulled me, and then I started to minister all over the country. Now, what brought you to Cleveland? How did that work? Um, you know, I was actually in in uh, San Antonio, and I was preaching all over San Antonio, yeah. all the Dream Centers, uh, Last Chance Church, all these different beautiful churches, um, Church Under the Bridge, and I know I'm forgetting some, but please, you know, uh, I apologize for that, but um, I'm, I was preaching at a place, I think it was called Haven of Hope, and what they do is they transition people from the streets into hmm. an apartment and into heaven, and uh, as I was preaching, um, there was a gentleman named Howard Showalter. A good friend of mine, right, right. Yeah, and he came up to me, and there's probably about, you know, six, seven hundred people there, because it was before COVID and yeah. everything. And uh, he just started tugging on my shoulder, and he said, "He said I've never heard, felt, experienced the Holy Spirit the way I just did. To see the people on their knees confessing Jesus as Lord, I want to know who you are. I want to know all about your ministry." And and in my heart, I thought, "Well, he's just somebody who's a little bit delusional and homeless because he wasn't dressed, right. you know." Uh, any different than the people that were there. I said, sir, when I get a moment, I'll be more than happy to talk to you. But right now we're praying over people and, you know, this is what I'm here to do. And he just wouldn't, he wouldn't hear of it. He just kept tugging on my shirt. He was crying. He goes, no, you've got to follow me. So I told a couple people that I'm going with this guy, yeah. you know, and um, he just shared his testimony. I had tears in his eyes. And then he asked me, he said, can I come with you when you minister? And, uh, you know, there's multitude, uh, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. So I, I reached out to a few people and they said, oh, yeah, that's Howard Showalter. He lives in San Antonio. He huh. has a ministry called Harvest Ministry. He has a family. There's nothing. You know, Big business guy. Yeah, nothing to yeah. worry about, right, right? right? So I said, okay. And I told Howard, I said, I'll tell you what, here's where I'm staying. Meet me there and you can go with me. So he started going into juvenile halls and detention camps and prisons and halfway houses and sober living homes and you know he was seeing things he had never saw before and 
He got us in trouble a lot because when we go into the prison, he just walked straight through security. Wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't wait, wouldn't take anything high, you know. And he's playing uh, <laughs> classical music, and he's just, uh, he's, you know, God's reaching him in, in a really powerful way. He died two months ago, how yeah. it went to be with the Lord. Yeah, yeah he sure did. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, I guess that was probably about six, seven years ago okay. that I originally met him. And then... Um, <clears throat> I remember that he asked me, he said, you know, would you come to Cleveland? I said, well, you know what, if, if the Lord opens up that opportunity, I'll come. So to make a very long story short, the Lord did. I had all my bases covered because I was an elder and I was an evangelist and an outreach pastor out there. And um, I had my own ministry, God Soldier Ministries, but I came out here and God just moved. You know, what should have been 10 opportunities to share turned into 20. And, you know, I started meeting people like Fred Corey and Jim Serace and John Murtha and David and, and, and all kinds of people. And, um, and then um, there was a real need for this type of ministry out here. But, uh, you know, I had to go back home. But before I did, the Lord told me, you know, Roy Fankhauser, yeah. you're going to share your story uh, and you're going to crush the head of the enemy at Crusher Stadium. So we said, okay. And... Um, so, well, come back again. And then the Lord took what should have been 20 to about 30 or 40, 50 opportunities and meetings and mm -hmm. going all over. And it was it was just beautiful. But then I went, and then Roy told me, no, David, if you come back, you got to live here. And that was probably about almost four years ago. So um, the Lord did what he always did. He's always kept his promises with me. I was able to lead my family that were, you know, um, going in that darkness and kind of straying off the, 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 the narrow road mm -hmm. that leads to hearing well done. And I went back and I ministered to them and they all got saved and they all got planted into a church. My brother, I'm going to go back and baptize him in August. So I felt like, okay, time to go. And I just came to Cleveland, just faith. And I got here and it was late. And I remember um, Roy asked me if I would uh, go to a hospital to visit a young man that was um, fighting cancer. I went there um, and I met the family and um, Tony, Tony George. Right. And um, I just I just heard from the Holy Spirit that, uh, you know, the child wasn't long for this world and that um, I needed to stay and minister to the family. And we developed such a friendship in the last three and a half years that I was able to baptize Tony a couple mm -hmm. of years ago. Mm -hmm. So um, it was all just ordered footsteps. And now um, I'm an outreach pastor at uh, Ascent Church. Which, which is, is where? Uh, 3550 Crocker Road. Okay, in Westlake. Yeah, okay. Westlake. It was, used to be Church on the Rise. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I have a Christ-based recovery program that we lead up on Friday nights there. Okay. Uh, celebrate recovery. But uh, we lift up the name of Jesus, and we had about 12 baptisms out of there. So that was a real blessing. And uh, I'm officially the uh, chaplain for True Freedom Ministries with Mike Swagger. And um, I'm the state representative for the state of Ohio for prison ministries for the International Federation of Chaplains. So, that so how many prisons do you get into, ministries. David, would you say? What, give me an example. I'm going to say that we're going to go into all of them by the end of the calendar year. Right. Well, what, is, what kind of number is that, roughly? I think about 30. 
Now, are you attached or work with uh, Bill Glass Ministries at all? Yes, I'm one of their platform speakers. Okay. Uh, with Jeff Aiton. Explain that, what the, what it means. You're in the yard, not going yeah. to the, which is really cool ministry. Oh, yeah. Explain that to our listeners. So, so true freedom, we're in the chapel. Right. And it's more intimate. It's on a Sunday. Right. And you're doing more of a church service. Bill Glass and Prison Fellowship, um, you go out to the yard. Right. We call it a yard day. Right, I did And you that. go out there with different celebrities and, and uh, you know, people that are mighty men and women of God. And uh, you have more of a, you know, like Scott from Ride for Life, you know, a lot of times are Christian. NFL man, players. And NFL yeah. players and celebrities and actresses. Mm -hmm. and it's really powerful. Athletes, yeah. And you go out there and, and uh, you kind of just give them a story from darkness to light. Uh, I'm a closer, so what I do is I give them darkness to light, and when I feel they're about to confess and accept, um, I turn them over to a team. There's usually about 80 to 100 volunteers, sometimes 30, 40, and they have Bible tracks, and they go through the necessary biblical application of why they made that decision and what it means. So um, that's a real blessing, but now... Um, because I have to leave on Saturday sometimes to be able to be at the church on Sunday, um, it's more difficult for me to, to be the True Freedom and Prison Fellowship more um, with, I'm sorry, with um, Bill Glass. What's access, um, what's access into these prisons like, David? I mean, are the doors open? Is it difficult to get in now? Maybe explain that so, to the listeners. So, yeah, so there's a... First of all, you got to be available. Okay. Availability is, 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 you know, accountability, availability, transparency, honesty, authenticity uh, is what the prisoners are drawn to. Sure. Um, you got to go and you have to get your nexus form filled out. Which is? That's a form that they ask you all kinds of questions, you know, about your past, present, and future background check. And then once you get approved from that, you have what one day of training. So you go in there and you hmm. you train, you fill out a bunch of paperwork. Um, I have an actual ministry team through True Freedom. Okay. So Christian Maynard, he's a rapper and a minister, very talented young man. Sean Cease, who um, has been sober for several years, another young man that was a road to recovery. Uh, Pastor Pete, who is a, a, an amazing singer and, and minister. And then Ed Carrion. And Ed goes in there from the perspective of he's been in prison before and, and plays the guitar. So if you want to be all things to all people, um, that's what the Lord told me. Put together a, a, mm. a, a team so that you can relate to the different ethnicities, the different social and economic yeah. backgrounds, and the different people <clears throat> that are in there. So typically what will happen is um, one thing that I, I, I've learned to do is um, to meet the prisoners at the door. It is so important because that's where that connection, that's where that bond, that's where the Holy Spirit. The door, you mean? Right at the door when they're walking into the chapel. Okay, got it. Okay. And look them in the eye and just tell them that, you know, that God loves them. That's good. And so do I because God first loved me. And just set that atmosphere right, right there. Because you really never know what they're going through. And right. One thing you know, prayerfully, you're leaving and they're not. So you want, yeah. to, you want to work with their identity in Christ. <clears throat> you want to let them know that tomorrow is not promised. You want to let them know that uh, their ministry is right there in that prison. 
that they are pastors and leaders. And then one of the things that I say that seems to always get their attention is, um, I ask them, how many of you have children? And uh, to a man or to a woman, if we're at the Women's Reintegration Center or a women's prison, they'll raise their hand. I say, well, how many love your children? You never know what they've done or yeah. what they're guilty of, and it's not for yeah. me to know. Um, I'm not there for that. You know, the Bible says, confess your sins unto God. He's faithful and just to forgive you of all sins. And then he chooses to remember them no more. So, you know, I kind of just yeah. move in that, in that promise. And um, uh, they all raise their hand. And then I say, well, how many of you would, would die for your children? Take a bullet, you know, uh, sign an incurable disease, take them that off of their table, give yourself that disease, or jump in front of a car, you know. They all raise their hand. I said, it makes perfect sense because the Bible says, What greater thing can a man do than to lay down his life for his fellow man? I said, Well, my question is, are you ready to live for your children? Are you ready to live for your family? Hmm. Are you ready to set an example? Because um, you are being called and chosen for such a time as this, out of the darkness, into the marvelous light, a royal priesthood. Sure. And just let them know that no weapon formed against them will prosper. And greater is he that's in the world that is, that is in them that is in the world. And they can do all things through Christ that strengthens them. And they're more than conquerors. And with God, all things are possible. And just giving them a biblical application, a biblical character that they can relate to. Um, then I had a pastor that that's a Christian uh, business network. I think I think that's what it's called. All over the world. Yeah. 50,000 pastors underneath them. And he told me, you know what? Most important thing you have, David, he said, Pastor, he said, um, you have a story. He said, and you know, you, you liken to the uh, to the man, the Gadara, the Gadarenes, right? Um, where Jesus, you know, in his humanity was tired, but in his divinity, he had a mission that was to free a man that was demon-possessed. <coughs> right. And, um, and that, that's, that's the biblical character I, I can relate to the most. And, um, you know, fully clothed and in your right mind, right? And um, he said, but what a lot of people don't know, he said, uh, when this particular gentleman uh, went back to uh, Decapolis, the city of ten cities, and shared, you know, the tremendous... Uh, story of, of meeting Jesus and and being transformed by the renewing of the mind heart of stone to heart of flesh um, he said there was families that came together there were communities that came together mm -hmm. there were churches that were built because of this one man's story one man, right. so um, you know I like to think well yeah he was fully clothed in his right mind but he was also wearing the outer robe of Jesus Christ <coughs> you know because he took his tunic off and he put it around him. And the sad part about that is they told Jesus to leave. You know, after they witnessed the miracle. Yeah, right. right? Um, and, uh, you know, he kicked the dust off his sandals and he turned around and he left. But um, to me, John and David, I feel like the most amazing, priceless gift that you can have is when you can see God's hand upon you and when you realize that he looks from left to right and he sees not one that is righteous. Mm -hmm. So I realize I'm a sinner in desperate need of a Savior, <clears throat> saved only by his grace. But I see God's hand, his maturation, the maturity, and yeah. and, and uh, on the ministry and the different levels. So um, 
it's been a real blessing to be here in Cleveland. I've been here now four years. Four years? Yeah. And so um, now you just got back from Africa. Yes. Just uh, How did that go? What? Why did you go there uh, to, 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 you know, Tasmania? How, what, what was going on that, that you got that open door? So I was in Tanzania. Um, you know, I had a prophet uh, back when there was a Zoom, mm -hmm. and there was a big screen, and he called three people out of about, you know, two, three hundred people, and I was one of them. And he said, you will share your testimony in Africa. Hmm. I didn't think much of it. And then at my church, there's a youth pastor. His name is uh, Dean Morris. And uh, he was under Peter Youngrith, who's been all over the world as, as an evangelist out of Canada. Uh -huh. yeah. And um, he had been to Africa with Peter. And he was going to Africa for the very first time. And his ministry is called Make Jesus Famous. All around the world. Right. And so... We got to talking. He gave me an opportunity to go. I uh, came out of my own pocket. Cost me over five grand. Is that right? Yeah, and wow. I called up Christian Maynard, who, uh, you know, the minister and the rapper that I'd been discipling, and Sean Cease. They came out of their pocket, and we all went to Africa. And, um, you know, tears don't move, God. You know, prayers do. Faith does. So, you know, I went out there, and... Um, I, uh, I saw the lame walk, saw the blind see, mm. I saw the um, deaf hear, I saw demons cast out, and um, I was just so amazed at, at just how at peace they are, because they don't have all the distractions and all the triggers right, that we right, have right. Right. We feel sorry for them, but... Yep. They're happy on the inside. Yeah. Living in a mud hut, you know. And What was the percentage of Christians when you go over there? I would say it's more Muslim than Christian. Yeah, okay. There was a mosque right, ne a mosque right next to us. Right there. Oh, yeah. And they were playing music and drums. And, wow. I mean, it was there was a battle. It was spiritual warfare for sure. Yeah. Um, I thought I was being poisoned, but it was just I was using too much mosquito spray. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. in my room, too, which you're not supposed to do. So yeah. Yeah, I, was, I was out there pleading the blood of Jesus and, and rebuking the devil. And somebody said, Pastor, are you using that, nose, uh, that, that mosquito spray in your room? I go, yeah. Well, that's, that's what's going it's on. It's powerful stuff. I, oh, I know what that is. So. With the deet and everything? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It, it's wake you up for sure. So um, I met a young man named Cyprian. And Cyprian was the manager, or is the manager of that hotel. And um, the Lord told me, David, I want you to sew into him. Mm -hmm. So I gave him a $100 bill, which is a half a month's wages. Uh -huh. And I taught him about Jesus. And um, there's just a kindred spirit. And he had told me that he had a fiance, a two-year-old child, and he spoke fluent English and fluent Swahili. I preached in front of hundreds and hundreds of pastors and Thousands and thousands of, of people in, in different churches. It was just so amazing um, to see the ministry move and God's hand move and that Jesus still saves, he still delivers, he still heals. You know, he's, 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 he's alive. And, um, you know, uh, so I said to Cyprian, I said, you know, let me show you something. Because I had a bunch of kids who were following me all over. So I brought him into the hotel, into the area outside, yeah. sat him down, and I fed him all. And then I talked to them about the good news of the gospel, and I led him to Christ. And I said, Cyprian, he was um, translating for me, and uh, 
I said, this is what I want you to do. This, more importantly, I know God wants you to do it. He had tears in his eyes. Mm. So um, I ordained him as a minister um, with the Make Jesus Famous ministry team. And I've gotten several texts from him on WhatsApp that that's exactly what he's doing. WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's bringing the kids wow. in. He's feeding them. He's teaching them the gospel. So we planted a church right there. That's terrific. And I was with the uh, the um, the uh, chairman of Africa, who is called uh, Bishop Shawnee. So you're in Tasmania. Taz, tan, Tanzania. Tanzania, which yeah. is what the, was that? Is that Tabora? the west coast? That's on the west. Yeah, Tabora. So I, I got offers to go to Mwanza, Uganda, and India. India. I'm mm-hmm. going there. So I don't know what the Lord's plans are for me. I know I've ordered footsteps here in the state. Yeah, right, God. right, right. But here's how amazing God is. You know, I can't go through all the, the different details, but um, he de- definitely has a sense of humor. And he definitely uses the foolish to confront the wise and the weak to confront the strong. Mm. But um, I was in Chicago. We had just started. But I'd already done Through the Storm to Be Reborn, uh, be reborn at City Mission and... and um, you know, the men's conference. So I was ministering, ministering, right. ministering, ministering. So by the time I got out of the house, I was tired. We got to Chicago, and um, the actor, Bill Murray, walked by. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and um, he walked by, and people were taking pictures. I didn't think anything about it. I had one of my uh, young men I was discipling there, Sean. And he turned around, and he sat right down next to me. So I said to him, uh, you're tired, you know, and everything. Um, I said, so are, are, are you on your way to Chicago? And he didn't say a word to me. It took about a minute beat. This Act- is Bill Murray. Yeah, actor's beat. And he looked at me and goes, we're in Chicago. So that, that's how the ministry started. And then from then, I didn't have my passport. I had my passport, but I didn't have my visa. Didn't have my boarding pass. Oh my had no phone number where I was staying. No idea of the hotel where I was at. And um, they can't really fingerprint me because my fingers are broken and they don't roll very well. Uh-huh. But the, they and I was just praying and the plane was taxiing, and and the guy looked at me and I knew it was God, the waymaker, the miracle worker, the light in the darkness. And boom, he stabbed me and I went in. So I knew it was going to be powerful when I got back because there's thousands of salvations and a ministry team to disciple, which is so important. Um, those seeds. The, the word of God that was thrown, uh-huh. right? So it would land on deep soil. Uh, but when I got back, I had one of the gentlemen that lives in the complex where I discipled him and baptized him. He said, Pastor, can you come over? I said, I'm really tired. I'm, I'm just beat. No, but can you come over? I just need to see you. Uh, and I said, sure. And he goes, the Lord has been just speaking to me nonstop. And, and, and uh, here's what he told me to do. And he had me a check for uh, $5,000. Is that right? So it paid for everything. Was that in Chicago? No, it was right here. Oh, in Cleveland. Right okay. when I got back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's, that's great. That's how God just wow. took care of me. Nice. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, so now, just tell the book and the contact in from one more, David, before yeah. we, the show we have about a little bit. So the book this. is on Amazon and Kindle. It's, it, the title is Called from the Abyss, and people can reach me at uh, my uh, email address, which is David. Nico, all lowercase, 77, that's numeric 77, at iCloud.com. And uh, that's David Nico 77. N-I-K-O. N-I-C-O. N-I-C-O. Okay. Yes, N-I-C-O. And um, 
they can also call my assistant up, and I'll give you that number right now. If they would like to book the ministry or they want any kind of a testimony shared at their church or place of business, whether it be secular or non-secular, at 216-258-4961. And her name is Debbie Aiken. Do, we pr- do that one more time. That is 216-258-4961. Deborah Aiken. Deborah Aiken. She's my assistant. Okay. So let me ask you this. What do you think is the biggest obstacle to people coming to the Lord? And what do you think is the most attractive thing when you go into the prisons where they go, they're interested or curious? I think the biggest obstacle is that they're trying to phase Jesus out of the prisons. They're calling a chapel a gymnasium. Oh. And they're taking the crosses off of their cloth badges. Oh, geez. So there's a real battle. You know, to just preach the good news and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Where is it coming from? Is this governmental laws? It's government laws, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know... Is this all recent? Yeah, it's more and more as I see it now. Um, So there's always going to be a battle, but if you have a chaplain who is a Christian who feels that they are being chosen in that season to bring in that gospel, um, and once they... It's like anything else. Once they see the anointing and once the prisoners react to the message, they become your best friend. Okay. Yeah. So so we know who wins at the end. You know, there's a battle, but the war's been won. In your opinion, what percentage of, of chaplains in the prisons are what you call a true Christian? A born, you know? I'd say um, probably about... 50 percent, and the others are more like a social worker kind. Right, well, you've got you've got you've got uh, Mormon, oh. you've got Buddhist, you've got Catholic, you've got Muslim, Muslim, you've got uh, demonic, because whatever they want to worship, they can worship, you know. And we know in the Bible when we were worshiping graven idols, yeah. right? That had no spirit, no heart, no soul, could not cry, could not show emotion. Uh, God stopped talking from Malachi to Matthew for 400 years. So is the occult big in prison, do you find? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I've had several people that, when we were doing Yard Day, would come up and just say, hey, you know, Pastor, I I was a uh, priest in, in, in demonic worship. Right. And, uh, I just gave my heart to Jesus. Wow. Praise the Lord. Yeah. 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 Those bondages are broken. Yeah. David, you had a question. How do you follow up with, well, once you're in the prisons and these guys start to connect to you, do you take them through... True Freedom Ministries. That you guys right. keep coming back, or that's right. how does that work? So, so yeah. one of the reasons I got uh, the Lord opened up a door, I believe, with Mike True Freedom. One of the questions I asked him, I said, Mike, I said, you know, after the seeds have been thrown yeah. and the people confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord and is risen from the grave, is there a discipleship? Are those Do people go back and are they intentional? Because we know that Jesus and the good news of the gospel uh, is the only thing that stops your cynicism. um, Which means repeat. Repeat. Coming back, coming back, coming back. Absolutely. But what True Freedom does, which is really beautiful, and I'm sure other ministries do as well, but True Freedom in particular, they're intentional about following up with the prisoners and giving them a place to transition to where they can learn more about sure. Christ yeah. and they can actually get work so that they can make an income 
so that they don't have to go out and rob, steal, nice. and cheat. That's through that ministry. Yes. That's, that's really, great. great. Yeah. Oh, that's really something yeah. else, David. Well, we only have a couple minutes sure. left. Uh, but David, can you give our audience one of your song, one of your rap songs? That I don't want to put you on the spot here. Well, you actually gave one when you, you were did. seven years year, old. Yeah, a few years ago. Anything you'd like too. to share at all? Then um, we'll start closing in about five minutes. I absolutely will. And before I do that, uh, I'd just like to give an open call for anybody that maybe has not given their life to Christ, that maybe is just listening, and Lord's really pierced your heart right now. Just to say this very simple prayer with me. Doesn't matter where you're at or what you're doing or who you're with. All that matters is that you know there's something better out there, that there is a hope, there is a way, there is a truth, there is a life, and that uh, Jesus did die for your sins just like he did for uh, everybody here that's uh, doing this podcast. And if you'd like, uh, right where you're at, just simply say these words with me. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, uh, with the light that I've been given and the truth that I know, I would like to ask you into my heart, I'm willing to confess that you are Lord of Lords and that I am a sinner and that I need you desperately. I'm coming to you as I am and I will confess with my mouth and I will believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and that he has risen from the grave and I want to be ready when he comes back. And I'd like to know... um, if, if, if I could have a relationship with you on this very day. And I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the gates of joy, rest, and peace. Um, and if you said that prayer, I just would just ask you to, uh, to get in contact with the people from the podcast or your local church or somebody that you know that can bring you into the body of Christ where there's hope, where there's peace, where there's fellowship and accountability. Um, we can't do this alone. You know, the devil tries to get us alone. So get with somebody uh, and just um, remember today is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And as far as a, a, a spoken word, sure, John, let me give you one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the one that comes to my heart right now is, um, uh, let's see. Um, they'll come early in the morning. There'll never be any kind of warning. They will viciously tear me from my everything. Still drawn under lock and key, someone like you and me, they will quickly strip us of our right to remain free. Though we committed no crime at all, they will soon find us guilty of breaking a man-made law. But I am you and you are me. They will never have the precious times we shared, our strong faith in God or our vivid memory. So tell them to go ahead and cry if it helps the sadness I last saw in their eye. But as for me, a child of God, I refuse to sit here and slowly die. So this will never be goodbye, but until we meet again as one, we will celebrate our freedom and the end of man's tyranny and oppression underneath our Heavenly Father's Son. For Jesus has taught us one must be willing to suffer so that all can continue to grow. If that's the price he says I must now stay and pay, then I will, under lock and key, then run away like a coward and continuously bleed and always be in need. And if my spirit could be broken, with the little words that were spoken, they finally came to me in hopes that this would make me lose my mind. They simply said to me, No more sunshine. Only rain, darkness, death, and prison time. No more sunshine to the very day in the name of oppression and by their tyranny. They will come and carry my body away. So please tell my family from me when they lock me in my cage 
Instead of rage, I will get down on my two knees and to you, my Lord, I will pray. Please tell them for me, this is what I will say. Tell them, tell them to let it rain. Let it rain all night and day. For this is the promise to wash all of our sins away. Tell them to let it rain, let it rain to the very end. For this will fill the river known as redemption. To one day all of our children will have a chance to wade in. Tell them to seek out the field called blood, murder, and pain. Walk past the man that wears the mask and refuse any shovel of his lies, his hatred, or his disdain. Get down on their knees and pray and dig till they're bloody and raw and honest again. And that's when we'll find his spirit. As promised, we will meet as one. We will celebrate our freedom and the end of man's tyranny and oppression underneath our Heavenly Father's Son. For after this devastation, we can only choose the Holy Spirit as our inspiration. For victory does not come in whether we win or lose, not this time, but simply in God's participation. So tell him to let it rain, washed with the blood of Jesus Christ and standing at the foot of his cross. I never felt any pity, any sorrow, or any pain. And that was written about a little over 20 years ago when I was just um, uh, a, a dying, hmm. a spiritually uh, uh, man in a room full of well, drugs. Amazing. Wow, that amazing. is amazing, yeah. David, do you have any final thoughts or anything? No, just uh, God bless the work you're doing, David, and thank you for thank you. your great effort in the community. Thank it's you. amazing to see how you've grown over the past 10 years. You know, yeah, it's well, incredible how doors many doors have opened, have opened yeah. and uh, yes. how much stronger your faith is, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a fiancé. I've denied my flesh. I've picked up my cross. I'm following Jesus. And uh, it's it's just so that one day, you know, myself and anybody else I come across has that opportunity to write their name in the Lamb's Book of yeah. Life. Excellent, yeah. David. Well, we're blessed to have you up yep. in yeah. Cleveland. Absolutely. As a, as a friend of mine once said, he was a real soul winner, he says, when you see God operating in your life, Always remember two things. It says, keep yourself humble and say, Lord, keep me humble, but use me big. Amen. We only got a little bit of time on this planet. Amen. And God, you know, I always say Satan had me for 27 years. Yeah. You just got to put your foot on the accelerator. Right. That's Humility. Why, uh, Humility. Yeah, and just keep moving forward because yeah. uh, we're, in, we're in a big, big, yeah. big thing going on. Big things are happening today. But uh, God's are. word is, is true and love mm -hmm. is indefensible. And yes. we just thank you, David, for yeah, you know, you. everything. Thanks, thanks David. God willing, Great we'll have, have you here. maybe the first of the year and catch up on all Amen. that's going on. Yeah. So everybody that's listening, this is WNZN Radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. Uh, we want to thank you for all tuning in. And again, if you want to get in touch with David, maybe you're a pastor here in this, or maybe you're in a mission board or want to know more about this, or maybe you want him contacting somebody or a uh, a prison or a jail that uh, has an open door for visit, you know, visitation of a really powerful ministry. Uh, give give Pastor David Hill a call. We this is going to be archived. So if you didn't hear all the numbers again, if you just go to John uh, 1421.com, John 1421.com, and you'll see there's a uh, listing of all the shows, and this show will be listed under Pastor David Hill dash. Um, uh, Tasmania uh, ministry or outreach and so you can find it there 
and just take it and pluck it out and you can listen to it and just share it with your your pastor or somebody in your mission board. So thanks again to David. Thank you, David Aboud. <laughs> Great and to thank be you, man, Pastor man. David Hill. Yeah. And uh, have a blessed day. Yep. God bless you God all. God bless you. Amen.